welcome to Healthcare Du Jour, where we dish up and digest the latest in healthcare. For the next 30 minutes, sit back as we bring you insight, commentary, and discussion on trending topics to the table, all expertly served up by our host and his guests. Healthcare Du Jour is brought to you by Carium, the telehealth platform enabling healthcare's digital transformation, helping you care for people within the fabric of their daily lives. Now here's your host, Matt Fisher. Welcome back, and thank you for joining as we dive into the hottest topics in healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. On the menu today is Stephen Vaccaro, president at HHA Exchange. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. So what I always like to do before getting into the main part of my discussion is to give my guests a chance to provide more of an introduction in terms of who they are and what they do. So, Stephen, the floor is yours. Oh, terrific. So, uh, as Matt said, my name is Steve Vaccaro. I'm the president of HHA Exchange. I've been with the company now for a little bit over seven years. Uh, in my role, I really focus a lot on the market side of our business uh, and working really with our client base, uh, which really has four verticals, four main verticals, state Medicaid agencies, Medicaid managed care plans, provider agencies in the home, home care space, and then uh, self-direction fiscal intermediaries. And we supply technology that also uh, touches the caregivers in the home. So we really try and work with a technology that technology solution that touches all the stakeholders. Uh, and before getting diving into kind of more of what the home care entails, I'm always interested to know what, what got you into healthcare in the first place. Sure. So I've been working in the uh, Medicaid space, public health care space now since 1990. So 30 plus years. Uh, I've worked with every state Medicaid program during that time period. Uh, doing a lot of different things. And, you know, honestly, I've always had a little bit of a passion, I guess. And I like the combination of it being healthcare, technology, and public health, uh, where they, you can really see that you're making a difference in, in individuals' lives. So I like that that cross-section that, that you know, Medicaid uh, healthcare IT covers. And if you said you worked with Medicaid in every state, you've definitely worked with, well, I'm going to say 50, but possibly more than 50 different iterations of how to deliver care under Medicaid then. Correct. You've seen one Medicaid program, you've seen one Medicaid program, uh, as, as the saying goes. They're each different and they each like, they, they regulate it the way that they, that's best really for the constituents of their state, because each state really does have a lot of nuances and differences in terms of some of them more rural, some more urban, and, and so forth, right? So they, they're able to uh, really, I'd say, customize their solution for their individual state. Yeah, so kind of with that Medicaid background, how did you transition over into home care? Or maybe the better question is, how did you transition to a primary focus on home care? Sure, sure. So I spent the first 24 years of my career um, working with a company by the name of HMS, Health Management Systems. And had a number of different roles there, but most notably, they would do a lot of work around coordination, benefit, and third-party liability in the Medicaid space. Uh, so through that, I really came to understand a lot about how Medicaid programs work and reimbursement in the Medicaid space. Uh, when I left HMS, I started looking around for what my next opportunity would be, and I was very interested specifically in the home care space or virtual health. And in some ways, there's even overlap between the two of them, right? But I really see that that's the, where the, you know, if you're going to really improve care and you're going to do it in a cost-effective manner, it has to start in the home because those tend to be the individuals that are the most costly in the healthcare system. So when you're talking about home care, what do you actually mean by home care? What, what services does it encompass? 
Sure. So, you know, our focus at HHA Exchange tends to be on, uh, I'd say, the personal care side of home care. I differentiate that from home health. Um, home health, think of as it tends to be a little bit more like OTPT nursing that Medicare covers as part of an episode of care, right? Whereas when, when we think of, of home care, uh, home home care, we're really thinking about those personal care services that an individual is receiving in, in their home. Examples could be uh, bathing, could be uh, toileting, it could be cooking, it could be cleaning. So these are individuals that 10 or 15 years ago, uh, Medicaid recipients that would have needed to go into a long-term care facility or some type of an institutional care setting, so because they they need some they had services that they would need to be receiving every day they were not independent. Now the move from a societal standpoint has been people don't want to be in a facility they want to be in their home and in their community, uh, but they still need those support services and that's really the key thing and I'd say the first generation of that over the past ten years or so has really been about how do we get someone to come into the home to help support them and give them the supports that they need. And that's what I'm really referring to when I speak of home care. So kind of from that personal care lens, how have you seen the delivery of services in that vein evolve over that period of time that you've been focused here? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's been, I'd say, seven years ago as I started focusing, home care has really been a laggard from a technology standpoint, right? Um, and, and healthcare in many ways lags from a technology infrastructure standpoint, right? Home care really lags. They, it lags technology. It, it lags healthcare in general. So that when I first started getting involved seven years ago, and what I really liked about HHA Exchange was how they were able to bring technology into the home to help inc- increase everyone's efficiency in the process, right? And build transparency and compliance uh, to the process. And that's really what I've seen as a change from seven years ago. It was very common seven years ago where I would walk into a provider's business office and they would just had filing cabinets everywhere for, for everything that they were doing. They were manually keeping schedules, right? They were manually had written down people's phone numbers so that they could call them or caregivers' phone numbers if they had to make any change to a schedule, right? They didn't have any automation in any of that. And fast forward to where we are today, some of that coming as a result of the Cures Act some of that coming as a result of the pandemic, right? Where everyone recognized one due to federal regulation that there was a need for more technology to come into the home care space. And then the pandemic, when folks were working remotely and could not get into offices, it, it was everybody realized that I, I can't be working with paper files anymore, right? For some basic things like contact information, understanding who my higher risk you know, patients are that I'm taking care of. Uh, items of that nature. So there's really been a big focus now, I'd say, on implementing technology in the space. Yeah, and when you're talking about technology, kind of what instances of technology are most commonly being implemented now? Yeah, today, um, you know, when I think of this, again, as sort of the first generation of it, right? Uh, you know, it tends to be, the focus tends to be a, a little bit more around, I'd say, um, program management, um, or agency management technology. So when I say that, I mean things around authorizations, managing authorizations, managing contact information for the, the Medicaid recipients receiving care and for the caregivers, 
managing things like caregiver compliance and in-service training, uh, doing items of that nature, scheduling, and then electronic visit verification, of course, is, that's now required as part of the federal mandate. Billing and payroll, right? Who, those always have, they, they've had technology prior, right? People will always use tools and systems for that. Uh, so that's where, where I see the technology really being used today. But a lot of that, in, in, in my view, is that's the beginning part of this, right? And now there's, there's a, long, a lot of things that we can do to build upon that. So when you just said there's like room to build upon it, what would you like to see kind of come in that second generation or the next phase of technology implementation? Well, a couple of things uh, come to mind, you know, and I, I think of this industry very much like, you know, the cable company industry. And you, I've said this a number of times, right, where the cable companies, when they laid all this fiber optic, right, to get so you, you could watch TV from your home, let's say. And then next thing you know, you're making phone calls over it and you're, you're purchasing things on Amazon from it, right? And, and you're, doing, you're watching movies, you're doing all different kinds of things on it, right? And it became sort of the gateway to, for information to flow, right? And that's a lot of how I see home care and where home care is today. There's a lot of infrastructure that now has been laid. Um, there's a lot of technology that is in the hand of the caregiver in the home. Uh, because they need to clock in at the start of the shift, clock out at the end of the shift, and put in plan of care. Um, but now that you have access to that, it, that that caregiver in the home, there's a lot that you could build upon it, right? You see people doing things like, you know, capturing vitals uh, through the technology, through leveraging, let's say, Bluetooth or other devices in the home, right? You see people asking questions or capturing other data about, you know, Caregiver shows up at two o'clock and they could be asked a question when they check in. Did so-and-so eat lunch today? Right. So you know if there's there's a food insecurity or there's something else going on that they're not eating that maybe you you want to uh, intervene, right? So you can start capturing more and more information from the home and more importantly, really make the the caregiver part of the overall care team. And you know, what our experience has been is that. It's the the caregiver tends to know the individual receiving services <laughs> better than anyone else because they spend so much time with them that they they they're in tune to understanding something is different today and and you know you don't you don't have to be a, a doctor or or an RN right to make to to notice that right sometimes you could be with a, a family member or a loved one you see they just they're a little bit off today they're not feeling well today right. So they're able to give us those kinds of observations. And then we could take that data in and we could trend that data over time. And we're able to see, hey, are there things that are changing and using artificial intelligence to say, this is now an opportunity for someone to intervene. Maybe it's a phone call from a nurse. Maybe maybe a nurse should go on site and take a look at the situation, you know, or something of that nature. Yeah, so it kind of sounds like, you know, just a reflection of the broader virtual care trends across healthcare. Because, so, you know, if you're talking about capturing the data and then being able to spot trends and analyze it and just run it through different forms of analytics over time, as I said, that seems to just be a reflection of what's happening more broadly in healthcare and an opportunity for just more, you know, kind of cross-setting integration to provide, you know, really whole person uh, care. It is. It's really all about whole person care. And, you know, I'd say you go go back three years ago um, and this was a blind spot. 
right? So here you had, I'd say these, these um, complex need individuals in their home now, and a blind spot of what actually was occurring in the home, right? And through the Federal Cures Act, it, it sort of mandated, hey, well, we at least need to know what time the caregiver showed up, what time the caregiver left, and what duties they performed while they were there, which is, was a good start, right? But now that you have that infrastructure, now you're really able to build upon that and start thinking about whole person care, um, which is, to me, is very exciting. And that's where technology really could help. And it could really help make the caregiver's job more empowering, right? Which is something that what we, as we speak to our clients, we know the caregivers really like and they want. Yeah, and I suspect this is going to be a somewhat of a loaded comparison. But if you're talking about you know the Cures Act and some of those requirements is laying the infrastructure, you know at least from the laying the infrastructure perspective, it kind of mirrors what happened with meaningful use program for hospitals and physician practices of forcing the adoption of EMRs and using that as a way to springboard to better use of technology. Hopefully, home home care will have a much better starting point, though, because it sounds like that one, the technology is at this point in time should be better, um, or at least optimistically is. But it, you know, there is maybe less stringent kind of adoption requirements because it's you're not talking about these systems that are geared in one direction, but you know, infrastructure as you were describing that it really allows for a broader, hopefully more useful footprint. I think it's a very good comparison uh, that you made, right? Um, and and I I do see that that synergy, right, between the meaningful use, right, and, and what happened there. And absolutely, this is kind of the springboard to really, I, I think, the next generation of how you start to, uh, I'd say, see the industry transition toward more value-based care and outcomes, right, as opposed to the past where it was very just like very visit specific, right? Like, you know, okay, I need to get eight visits done today and I did eight visits, right? I think it's kind of moving on to the next generation of that. Yeah, no, and I think kind of the, referencing the value-based movement and outcomes as a focus is, you know, again, aligns a lot with what's happening more broadly and not in the industry, not just within home care. Um, but for those, for those of you just joining, I'm talking with Steve Vaccaro of HHA Exchange We've been talking a lot about, you know, kind of what is home care and how technology is evolving within within the industry. And Steve, as you kind of just referenced value-based care, kind of brings me into a, another area that I don't know if it gets an, you know, a lot of attention or has a lot of understanding, but, you know, how is home care actually paid for? Um, you know, I know up front when you're talking about kind of some of the primary lines that you focus on, you talked about Medicaid. Um, and some other pay, you know, forms of reimbursement through payers. But if you could, could you, could you help level set for everybody just what is the reimbursement landscape when we're talking about home care? Sure. Um, so first off, the primary source is Medicaid, right? So um, Medicaid is for these services, having you know someone come into your home to care for a loved one, uh, it, it's it, you'd need to be on Medicaid to get Medicaid to pay for that, right? And that that's the primary source. That's probably, I would say, eighty-five to ninety percent. Additionally, there the VA does uh, pay. It's a benefit that's offered to veterans, right? So that so that that's a small portion that does that does get paid that way. There's long-term care insurance plans, right? That some people purchase. They tend to have limited benefits, but 
you, you, they are out there and you could get, you, you do receive some services from them. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Medicare said that it, you could have an optional Part C plan that if you decided that you have to pay some premiums into, but that could cover some of these services. And that's been becoming more popular, but it's still in the very early stages. So I'd say if you really thought about a pie chart, you would see Medicaid is primarily the payer. Uh, and then you'll see these other sources, the VA, some commercial insurance through long-term care plans, some Medicare through Medicare Part C. And then the remaining one would be private pay. Uh, folks that that have the ability to fund this themselves, they'll pay to have somebody come into the home and, and perform these services. Yeah, so if Medicaid is by far the predominant payer, how does that influence you know, kind of operational decisions or the ability to deliver home care services. And kind of the basis for that question is the, you know, the, what you hear so often in healthcare that a lot of other, you know, pieces of the industry kind of try to minimize the amount of Medicaid coverage that they have because the reimbursement levels may not be, you know, as much as would be hoped for uh, and arguably don't cover the expenses. So how does that influence in home care? Correct. Well, to date, you, you know, Medicaid, again, is the primary source. And, and that, I think, does create one of the challenges that we see today in the industry, which is the, the shortage of caregivers, right? Because based on the reimbursement that you're getting from Medicaid, the caregiver becomes, in essence, someone who's making minimum wage. And, you know, if you've seen the individuals and the passion they have for performing these jobs, they are extremely difficult. They're difficult physically and they're difficult emotionally. Um, and people that are doing it really doing a very special, they, they really have a very, there's something very special about them. Um, but pay is definitely something that's become difficult uh, to be able to track new people into the industry as caregivers. And you've seen some states recently trying to address some of this with reimbursement. New York State, just a couple months ago, uh, they created a separate minimum wage for caregivers, home care caregivers. So it's actually, I believe it's $2 higher than the standard minimum wage for other, other jobs, right? California, in California, uh, Los Angeles County is looking at doing something similar right now. So I think that that's a trend that we're going to see because I think everybody recognizes that the work that these individuals are doing is so important and so special, and it's really making a difference in people's lives. And it's it's not a minimum wage position, right? And and there's always been this rhetoric or the stigma in the past of like it's it's an unskilled position, right? Which is you couldn't be further from the truth, right? Because what they're doing really is very difficult work uh, and very special work that that they're doing. Yeah, and I think that's a, an extremely important point because, as you said, it's you know you have people coming in to someone's house and helping them at an extremely vulnerable point in time where you need a lot of support and help. And it's, you know, kind of, as you said, that's, you want someone who knows what they're doing and is going to be able to provide the necessary services. So that should be recognized. Without, without a question. And, you know, you have to remember the individuals that are receiving these services, this is not episodic. It's not like, oh, I received this and I rehab and, and I'm okay next week, right? Or next month. It's the services you're receiving today, you're receiving for the rest of your life. And over time, they'll probably increase the amount of the level of service that you need. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's not uncommon 
for a caregiver to be working, you know, to be taking care of a, a Medicaid recipient for five, six, 10 years. Uh, right. So and that goes back to my point where they they'll know those individuals better than probably anyone else. Um, and so they really are in tune to, hey, something's different or something's changed with, with the person. No, definitely. And, and I think kind of going back to the challenges you were talking about from the reimbursement, you know, how do you see home care agencies being creative or you know, looking to maximize kind of what they're able to deliver with the resources that they have? Well, I think it's, again, it's, it's trying to see what you can do to leverage technology to increase efficiency, right? And that's, that's what you, I see many of them doing. Many of our provider agency clients, I see doing that today, uh, where they'll look to leverage technology to do things like, just some examples, uh, as they have cases that they need to fill, right? Being able to broadcast them through our, our platform so that it's easier for them to connect with a, a qualified caregiver for that case, right? Me, and when I say qualified, I mean, if you have a Spanish speaking individual that lives in this, this area, you need someone that's nearby that could get to them, right? And that speaks their Spanish, or maybe they only eat vegan, so they need to know how to prepare vegan meals, right? So it, it's, it's, it gets a little complicated, right? To try and match up the right people, the right caregivers with the, with the right recipient, um, so they, they'll leverage technology to do that. Whereas it, prior to that, they would pick up the phone and they would be calling one caregiver at a time, right? So just think how long that was taken, right, um, to do. Now, now they could broadcast that information out on the mobile app using our technology. The caregiver sees it, says, hey, I'm interested, I can cover it, and they can make that connection. That's one example. Another example is capturing more information from the home and just empowering the caregivers more, right? So they, they you see a lot of times caregivers – now, they like the idea that their voice is being heard um, from the home because they're able to give assessments of the situation in the home. They could talk about social determinants of health, right? Are there loose carpets in the home? And, you know, that could be a tripping hazard. Did it just snow outside and someone needs to come and shovel the snow because there's all ice and I can't get Mr. So-and-so out to go to the doctor, right? All these kind of things that, when, when, you know, when you're in a facility, that all gets taken care of. When the person's in the home, someone has to organize and take care of that. And it's the caregiver, normally, who's who sees this and sees what needs to happen, right? Is there a food insecurity, right? They, they're able to then step in and do those kinds of things. So that's I think it's leveraging technology to do those types of things. One other quick example is training. You know, all the caregivers need to go through different training. They have in-service trainings they need to do. You'll see there's been a real push toward remote training via mobile apps, Right. And folks getting their in-service training hours that way, as opposed to in the past, you had to bring everyone into your office. You had to have a trainer set up. You had to go through the training. Now they weren't working for a day. Right. It, you know, it, it, now everyone's able to be much more productive. Right. In terms of, of how they operate. Yeah, And kind of thinking about a lot of those examples you gave where you're gathering all this additional insight into you know, the patient's life and being able to collect the data and analyze it. You know, is that being used to fuel you know, alternative payment models or participation in other value-based care schemes or kind of being brought in with other types of care delivery organizations? As I, I mentioned early on, so you know, at HHA Exchange, we do work with state Medicaid programs and Medicaid managed care plans, in addition to providers, caregivers, and, and fiscal intermediaries um, for self-direction. And we see a number of our payer clients doing taking different steps 
around what I would refer to as quote unquote value-based care or incentive payments, right? So in addition to the regular, let's say, you know, transactional payment, you did a visit, you get paid extra visit, right? Type of a thing. In addition, then they have regular, whether it's monthly or quarterly or annually, um, bonus payments for incentivizing good behavior and for taking the proper steps in terms of improving quality, reducing admissions into a hospital, reducing ER visits, right? Because you're doing a better job. So we see more and more payers are doing, uh, they're focusing more and more on value-based care and value-based incentive reimbursement. And do you have any specific examples offhand that might, you know, could give particular insight into what some of what's being tried or do you have any ideas of what you'd like to see tried? Well, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things that people are doing. So, uh, you know, one is, again, as I mentioned before, capturing information about social determinants of health or uh, recipient condition uh, by asking questions at the time that uh, the while the caregiver is in the home. Right. Do they have enough food? Did they take their meds? And then that that data feeding back to the managed care organizations and their care team so that they could use that to determine, do I need to have some type of intervention? That's one, one type of example. We have another payer who's doing things where they do incentive payments for the, the providers if they are able to, if you know the recipient gets their flu shot, if the recipient gets their COVID shot, if the recipient goes for their annual physical uh, and so forth, right? Because those are just sound steps to be taking for, to keep someone healthy, right? So if they're taking those steps, like doing an annual physical, that's that's just good practice, right? So if they if they know that if that recipient is going for their annual physical, they'll they're getting notified if there's other things that could could be potential problems down the line. Yeah, so kind of a lot of different strategies to just drive, you know, as you said, what what is just good proactive care and attention to who you know who, the individuals that are being worked with. But Steve, believe it or not, we're already almost out of time. Uh, so I want to part with one final question, which is what has you most optimistic about the direction of home care as a part of the healthcare industry? Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've been following pretty closely is the HCBS final rule that, uh, you know, it's been in, in play or, or since 2014, but it's now 2023 is when it actually starts to states need to start to transition um, from prior models to sort of their new person-centered planning model. And I'm excited about that because, and this goes back to what I mentioned before a little bit, sort of the first generation of care was come out of the facility, be in your home, send somebody in the home and perform, you know, I'd say in some, in many ways, critical but basic um, functions of daily living, activities of daily living, right? Bathing, eating, cleaning, so forth. Now, what this is doing is it's really pushing to think about whole person care, mental health. Uh, you know, do, are there other, how, how do we give those individuals in the home the ability to have more companionship? Maybe go out to dinner or go to a movie or go to church if that's something that they want to do, right? But be able to do things outside of the house so that it's not just you come and you're in your house work, employment, give them a job, right? So if they have a purpose every day, right? That they're going out and they're actually doing something. And I see this firsthand my mom. My mom receives these services. Um and you know she has a job where, where she is right now where they have her fold, you know, the the cloth napkins at an assisted living. 
So, you know, it's great. And it just gives her a purpose, right? And something to do and an ability to socialize with other people. So I'm excited about that and where home care is heading because I think that's really the next generation is really thinking about holistic personal care. Yeah, no, and certainly a lot to watch and, you know, be optimistic about and to be able to track as time goes on. But, you know, Steve, as I said, believe it or not, we are already out of time. Uh, so I want to thank my guest, Steve Vaccaro, for a great conversation today. Well, thank you very much, Matt. It was terrific, and I appreciate taking the time with you today. Yeah, and thank you to everyone listening. Keep the dialogue going and connect with me at hashtag HCDEJURE. I'm Matt Fisher. Until next time. 